Greetings, SE Land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. Happy to come back here for episode number 47. Thanks to you, too, for checking in here. Those of you who have been listening on a regular basis might have noticed that this episode was scheduled for last Saturday, toward the end of June, June 27th. And, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Sometimes you got something that you need to circle around on it a few times before you're ready to share it. I've had to do that with this. I guess I'm kind of wrapped up in this. So it's taken me a few extra days to move on to now, where I'm going to come back to, well, let's see, come back to some things I've already talked about in terms of our responses to natural disasters, what we can do, what is being done, you know, what's been done, these kinds of things. I had a really nice initial engagement when I first announced this project years ago, many years ago now. I had a first email from Crystal who mentioned that tornadoes had passed through her area and, you know, had some major devastation, really impacted people, and she was wondering if I had any suggestions on what an SE practitioner might be able to do inside of their own community in a situation like that. And, you know, it's like, gosh, well, uh, I wrote a little bit about that. And if you go to the website, liberationispossible.org backslash reflections, you can look at the blog role and the very first or one of the very first kind of writings that I did in there was about this kind of thing. Like a my take on that is pretty simple. Um or maybe it's that it's so complex for me that I keep it right now really simple so that I don't lose myself in it. Because you know, in the background of my thinking is this kind of catastrophic nature that I have. You know, it's like a, well, you know, it's just how it's been, you know, PTSD kid and all of that. And caring so much as I have found out that I do and, and knowing so long that things are so kind of challenged in the world has, has kind of keeps me up at night. It's what I think about. I think about humans and the stress response and communities and ecology and how, how these things are mixed up right now and challenging. Well, hey, it's not all doom and gloom, thank goodness. There are just these times. There are these times that that have been happening, going to happen more. Seems to be that, uh, you know, from all you folks in New York with Sandy and down there in Louisiana with Katrina, whether you got Santa Barbara with the fires, you know, I'm thinking about my friends there in Boulder with your you're, well, okay, it's been, uh, it's been something, right? There's my friends over in Japan still going up to the, what, you know, the community areas that were impacted after the tsunami and meltdown. You know, um, is this not part of our world? This is part of our world, right? We have, we have conversations about these kinds of things. We read about them in the press. We have friends on Facebook who are getting rained on heavy. 
and we worry about our friends in cities where where the water's you know getting thin and all of that puts us as somatic experiencing practitioners people who have a special relationship with helping people deal with immediate distress we kind of have a we have a we have a niche we get to help it's a special opportunity when when one of these things comes to our neighborhood you know we're um we're good at you know shoveling sand and raking raking back dry grass from houses where we can be good at all the practical things and we do have these other skills to share with our communities and it's a it's a thing that we we get to think about in fact it's something that is clearly been thought about it quite a lot in the somatic experiencing community particularly from the foundation for human enrichment with their programs with top it back in the day um what was top um yep okay i'm gonna let it go but it was it was cool and and now there's this whole new thing hope you're aware of this really hope you're aware of this Laura Leach, it seems, is going back around and doing natural disaster preparedness, SE kind of short course training. I see the emails for that. I dance around in my seat. I go, yay, yay, I'm so excited. I'm not going to attend this year. They're not close enough to me, but I am going to attend as soon as I can make that happen because this is really, this is really something that is, well, Maybe we just say um, part of having a mature relationship with the stress response is that we recognize that our environment is inherently challenged sometimes. And with weather, with natural disasters, with these big, high-impact, somewhat colossal events that impact lots and lots of people all at once, and us living amongst them, being part of them, being one of them, simply being another person on this planet, we are... We are um, witness to to some some floods that are going to come and wow you know what can we do so so these programs right with SETI and foundation for human enrichment all these these groups like this new natural disasters program court short course that's coming through that's all much cooler heads than me right that's all much smarter people looking at how to do this m- much more intelligently i I'm looking at this today from what did I do when the largest wildfire in Washington state history kind of washed across my hillside last year in early July. And the, you know, five, 10,000 people that live in my valley lived with this ongoing wildfire for about two months with a really high intense 10 first days that just kind of set the world into this complete orbit where you know we well we were all kind of living and fighting for our lives is how it felt and i know that um friends of ours down in santa barbara have had that exact same kind of thing happen and there we go so last year 2014 that was my summer i spent it both preparing for that fire i had had a I realized that I had been leaving my situation, my home, in harm's way as I was out on the SE train and and being in love in Brazil. So I I came home to pull back the brush that I had allowed to grow around my otherwise relatively safe home 
and I spent several months, it took a lot of work to accomplish that, it was greatly relieving of anxiety that I had been carrying for years when I was out on the, on the path that I was doing, assisting so much with SE and learning so much with all of you. I, well, I was just kind of living with this anxiety that I would, I would, <laughs> I would, what would I do? I would feed it in the summertime by checking the maps of the fire areas in Washington state to see if my hillside was on fire because I, I was completely aware that this fire would eventually come. That is not, that is not a very good way to deal with anxiety. We should, we should identify what it is that's keeping us up. We should take little steps to take the next, you know, piece of remedy to it so that we can put it down. The paperwork that's waiting out there for five years, keeping us anxious every night. It's time to Let's, you know, pull back the brush, get some help. I did that last summer before the fire came so that when it came, I got to have this somewhat unique opportunity, right? Because it started on my hillside, about five minute walk away. Because of the way the wind worked over the next three days, it approached from a different direction from where it had started. And I was able then to spend three more days living in relationship to this drama as my entire mountainside burned all around my house and literally within a 50 feet circumference of my house eventually every last thing that was there burned that was not you know maybe um trees that some of them didn't ignite but everything else did and so it was what they call a quote firestorm and i got to watch it I got to be right there, right here at my house, taking care of, you know, the grounds and getting everything in the, everything that might burn to catch a spark to try to get in the garage. It became the biggest mess with firewood and bicycles and dress clothes, like everything just thrown into the garage to try to hide it and, and just battening down the hatches while cutting back fire lines and trying to save my fruit trees and sauna and all these kinds of, you know, outer buildings and whatnot. So it was quite a moment. I didn't know this, but, a, and of course, everybody, uh, well, reinforcing the stress response with one another deeply meeting, talking, staying up all night. You know, the stress response was real. No, anybody who hadn't already had the fire come through was a next potential danger in next potential danger. The lightning strikes were still continuing throughout the month so as they came new fires started in new areas it was such a dry prepared landscape it had been managed from burning for so long by well really misunderstood forestry practices about how fire ecology needs to needs to have fire move through and consequently it's going to come but the fuel accumulation is so much higher along with weather and climactic challenges to my neighborhood over the last few years, you know what? Everything was ready to go. Consequently, there was this kind of electricity going on inside the entire community for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks of, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And of course, that was all real. And you and I know that's not a good place to hang out. Not for too long. Of course, right when a danger comes, the stress response is golden. 
it's so intelligence, like organic intelligence, that that stuff is real. Like you are so bad beep. You know, you are so bad beep. When when that fire came to my place, I, I just I was amazed at how capable I was. In fact, I'm a I'm a I'm a woodsman, so I'm capable. But at the same time, I was amazed. And I was looking around at other people around me and I was thinking, everybody here is completely electrified. Everybody here is doing their absolute best. Everybody here is phenomenal. We do not know what we're capable of. And the stress response, some like authentic, real challenge, it is such a good way to find out what we're capable of, particularly when we're actually going to get through it, you know? And that's a fortunate thing about this fire that came through my area, the largest wildfire in Washington state history and one fatality. It was a loss of property. It was a really challenging thing. It's hurt a lot of people. I'm still impacted by it a year later, and I came out relatively unscathed. It was a big deal. And yet there was a kind of like, this is really dangerous, but we're going to get through it kind of thing. And that's a great place to find out just what you're made of, you know? And it should go to say, any time that we're going through a challenge, any part of it that we can figure out which part of it we can do, we want to lean on that because it does reinforce our capacity rather than the parts that we can't do where we might get extra stuck unnecessarily because there might actually be other places that we are able to be successful. And in this fire response, there were things that you just couldn't do. You couldn't save your house sometimes. People just, they, they looked at the situation and they turned around and they, they left. They knew that it couldn't be done. And then they could instead go help somebody else. And that ability to kind of turn your attention to what can I do here and be successful with that, it was really obvious inside of the Carlton complex, the fire around my house. So I could and won't go on and on about these kinds of things, this storyline of it. I shouldn't hear because there's a, there's two things that I want to do here. One, I want to tell you a little bit about my response because I was asked, what would you recommend to somebody else? Well, I don't know what I'd recommend to somebody else beyond what I did in that blog post, which, like I say, it was too simplified, but my simplistic answer was get people together, help them have a good time, help them know that they're having a good time. Get people together, help them have a good time, help them know they're having a good time. Now, when are you going to do that? Well, you wouldn't want to do it when everybody needs to be raking leaves and pulling back the grass from everybody's houses because the fire's still coming. So in that moment, when the danger is still so active, maybe there are other things to do as a somatic experiencing practitioner in terms of helping people's stress response at that particular moment. But when a danger is active, you know, we're going to be pulling back the brush ourselves. So our role, and I think we've seen this around the world in the deployments that SE practitioners and different groups have done, our role is supporting, you know, the completion of the stress response after the challenge has been removed, or at least enough of it has been removed. You know, I spent some time in Democratic Republic of Congo, and the work that I did there could not have happened two years before I was there. You know, I was there in 2008 and 2009, and the war really only ended two years before that. And to be inside of the zone of conflict or on the edge of it too quickly would have made my attempts to help people, you know, help each other 
decrease the stress response would have been completely for naught. There's a time and a place for coming out of the stress response. And once that sufficient, once that sufficient safety is coming out in a situation, what, what would be the best thing we could do? Well, get people together, help them have a good time, and help them know that they're having a good time. Now, could you get more sophisticated with it? I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's no limit to how sophisticated we could get with helping people in this kind of way. And that's why such a class as that short class with the, you know, the SETI folks for natural disasters, that's why that's so critical, because you can get like super sophisticated. But let me tell you how it was for me. If I had tried to do anything extra beyond the fact that I was taking care of my own home, trying to take care of my neighbors, trying to take them care of my friends who were living a little further away and the fire hadn't approached yet. It was only after I could really settle those things out and then try to have a few people sit on me and hold me down so that my own system could calm down a little bit before I could do anything extra to help anybody else. So living inside of that situation, whoa, you know, like you are a participant. And once there's sufficient safety, once things are quieting down enough, at least around you, maybe, and hopefully then around other people, maybe there's another chance to do something. And how sophisticated can you get? Well, if you're coming in from outside, maybe you get to have a whole lot of resource inside yourself. If you're inside the situation, you're, you know, you're just doing what you can in a lot of cases to maintain your own resource yourself. But fortunately, you got skills. Oh, baby, you got skills. And so do I. So what did I do? Here's a few things that I did. The first market that I could go to, farmer's market, that I could go to after the fire quieted down, I sat up all night the night before drafting a silly little letter to neighbors. It was just like, to neighbors. These are four things, I think, no, five things you can do to help yourself decrease the stress response. I drew a little cartoon on it and I made a sign that said stress less with big colorful letters. I put a table in the back of my car and a seat. I took some books with me, you know, Peter Levine, Waking the Tiger, the trauma spectrum, trying to like kind of show that I might have some authority of some sort, you know, like put these books up on the, on the little table that I was going to put up. And then I had my little letter and I, and I had my sign, this sign that said stress less. And now it's the market. The whole air is smoky. You know, people are all talking about what they're doing to protect their place. The fire is not chasing everybody every minute. It's a very bizarre thing. Some people know that it's never going to impact them and they're rather at ease. It's every, you know, some people are just, just the air is becoming so smoky. It's becoming hard to breathe and they're having asthmatic and panic attacks just from that. So there's, there's this entire different kind of responses all mingling and, and really treating each other very, very well. Well, I go to the farmer's market. I bring my little sign. I sit there at my desk, my little table, and I'm not there to push anything. Of course, I'm just there to offer, hey, if you want to chat, let's chat. So what do I do? I sit there and everybody who walks by, I just kind of wave. Everybody who waves back and engages me twice inside of a, you know, that, how did I do it? In fact, I, I, I held back one step further than that. I was really quite adamant about how I wasn't going to 
kind of come in pushy. This is a thing. It's my community, and it's my neighbors, but I'm a stranger to most of these people, of course, and I'm, I'm kind of coming in with this thing where I'm going to say, you might, you might change your behavior in how you're handling this ongoing stressor. That was something that I was thinking about because people were doing really, really good with handling how they were doing all of this, right? Nobody was getting really hurt. Everybody was doing the best they could. People were rising to the occasion, I would say. And here I'm going to come into town, this kind of nobody, and say, hey, if you let yourself continue to focus on this danger all the time, only this, if you don't figure out how to modulate your response to this, if you don't figure out how to come together and have some fun and know that you're having fun, if you're not able to signal to your nervous system some deactivation, if you don't, if you don't put some attention to that soon, then it might actually be really hard for some of you to come out of this once the danger is over. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what I, I was thinking. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to just be pushy about that, you know? So I, I did this thing where people would walk past my little booth. They would look at my sign. They'd usually laugh, stress less. You know, I was trying to say, Hey, let's, let's stress a little less, you know? And, and they would kind of laugh and then they'd walk on. But anybody who, who laughed and then, or signaled me twice, I would then start chatting with. And then we'd just have these, you know, 5, 10, 15 minute chats, just talking with people. I was listening. I was trying to figure out where are people at? What are people concerned with? What's, what's going on? You know, like I was talking with a lot of parents and how their kids were doing. I was talking with, with great stories about how, you know, without the electricity for two weeks, people had taken their picnic benches out and created this entire world where all the kids were coming together and really spending the day next to the river and the picnic bench and like very creative responses and very stressed out responses and people very mad at how some things are going with the with the firefighters and things and some people really in their fight response and some people really having a hard time you know um with weariness without having power and 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 just a real sense of fatigue and i had an opportunity to talk to just dozens and dozens of people. And I did that a few weeks in a row. And in the time between, or in the first time, I had the opportunity to meet a, a local care provider who was kind of the central hub, really special woman, who put together this whole local helpers, like helping professionals community thing and kind of went to that. I didn't have a lot of place in that um, other than encouragement and hope and, you know, a couple ideas. And I did, inside of that, listen for how I might be of help. And one thing that I heard was that the local radio station was looking for some kind of helping professional voice to say something about the reaction to the fire, something like that. And, well, I thought that I could do that. You know, I was actually working on the podcast for you guys, and was trying to get back to it, but this whole fire thing kind of helped it stay back for over a year, you know, as I talked about a little bit in episode four, that I knew this fire was coming and I kind of put the podcast down until I could prepare for it. And so I was, I was looking toward doing this and well, okay, then one of the responses that I did after my community had this fire 
was that I made 19 short public service announcements that were all about different kinds of things that might be helpful to know about inside of an ongoing stress response like this natural disaster, quote-unquote, that we were having. Quote-unquote, because, of course, this fire is a completely natural thing. The disaster part of it is that it was allowed to be so big by the fuel accumulation. So these 19 service announcements were played over the radio for months, and they kind of were listened to by people who were driving up and down the valley, and they were suggesting things like come together, have fun, know that you're having fun. Some of them were just the rationale, like why you wouldn't want to stay in the stress response too long. Others were talking to the community about the challenges for parents. Some of them were talking about uh, the allowance of letting your own body feel the sense of deactivation at the end of the day when you're preparing for whether or not you need to continue with the... If you're preparing for... And when you were preparing for your work, you know, that everybody was working so much, I was like, look, you know, if you're going to you're gonna work so much and the fire's not there yet and you can orient a little bit more and you can see how much the danger is and isn't, then it's time to take 15 minutes extra at a break and figure out how to let your body relax a little bit more. You know, so I was just kind of saying these kind of things that you and I might think about. And, um, well, I guess it helped, you know, people... People responded really well to it. And those recordings, I want to let you know, those recordings are available at the website for KROOT, my local rock and roll radio station, which I'm just totally a fan of. And you can listen to them there. Or if, say, like 20 of you go to my website, liberationispossible.org backslash reflections, and you go to this show's page, episode 47, on natural disasters and SEP backyard, you know, um, how would you do that? You could go to the archive and just, it'll be the first one up right now, or you could look in the search bar on the right and type in natural disasters and you find it that way. Now on that page, there'll be a sign up thing. And if like 20 of you go there and you just like, tell me who you are and tell me that you want me to do this, I'll take the time to take these 19 service announcement things, stressless options and stressless shorts, I called them. They were little diddlies, you know, some of them are two minutes long, one of them is too long, but it's like 18 minutes, but super helpful. You know, I, I even talk about like why you would want to just let your eyes and your head and neck bounce around a little bit so that you could relax your nervous system, you know, simplistic, but I don't know, maybe some of you want to hear it. If, if, Maybe 20 of you tell me you want to hear it. Go to that page, fill out the form, let me know who you are so that I can both get back in touch with you when it's, when it's ready, and I'll take the time to compile all of those so that we can share them around each other. Okay, so you can have that information. So that's something that I did. Another thing I did was I did a stage presentation in town. I kind of I rented the local theater announced for a few weeks a kind of presentation show and I you know do that that kind of thing sometimes so I just did it here in my own town where I explained how we respond to the stress response and what helps us feel better and what helps us deactivate and what we might do in order to encourage that in one another and I you know I kind of ham it up a little bit but I didn't need to you know people just needed the information 
And then the last thing that I did was I, I would hold some games, meetings in the park. I announced those on the local radio station too. And uh, some people attended, not so much. My, my valley's pretty complicated. You know, it's really long and windy and it takes a long time to get anywhere. And even though it was quieter by the time I was offering the games weekends, you know, it's not so easy to get to. So, okay, I had people, you know, sometimes four, and that's fine. It was, felt good. I realized, and this is what I want to tell you, I realized that one of the major reasons that I overall felt so good inside of my own time with this thing, a couple months, you know, really uncomfortable, really difficult, really kind of screwed up with things in my life. I felt really good as it was going on. And part of it was that I just kind of kept going to town whenever I could to do this social engagement with people. And so for people showing up to my games thing, it was just as valuable for me as it was going to be for anybody else. And so what games did I do? You know, I kind of thought like, oh, what have people been doing? What kind of activities they've been doing? Raking. Okay, we'll do some tug of war, you know, and kind of get some of those muscles, getting some, you know, satisfaction. And I did, you know, different kind of play games like that, chasing, you know, like throwing water, you know, because we were fighting a fire. So we'd have buckets of water and I was trying to get some lifting going there, you know. So I was just trying to be creative, have some fun, get people together and help them know that they were having some fun. Could I drop it into the whole felt sense kind of thing? I think I got some of that inside of the little radio program things. Did I go into town and do individual sessions? No, I really didn't. I met with some people, and that was good. And at the same time, like I didn't really kind of change my relationship with my community. I like it's good that I'm not their therapist. I'm I'm their neighbor. So, um, yeah, that's that's that. Those are things that I did. And what I realized when those were the things that I was doing was that I was doing things that I'm kind of okay at, like I can do these things. And um, maybe actually, maybe I'm even pretty good at it. And I bet inside of situations like this, there are just so many different SEPs with so many different talents who would be good at organizing relief groups or bringing large groups together or just going door to door and talking with neighbors who had been affected. Like there could be just so many different ways to apply our skills to realize that when these big things are happening, everybody's going to do the best they can. And then after the fact, there's going to be this tremendous flood, at least for now, when these things are available, this tremendous flood of official support and some level in there, maybe eventually, hopefully so, there'll be an SE component of that. In the meantime, you and I, we live right here on Earth, where all these things are going to happen. And us thinking about it, and us letting ourselves be a part of this world, the problems that we find ourselves in, and the solutions that might be found for it, that is one of the great benefits of being that much more informed about how the stress response works. You can participate that much more elegantly. And with that, I think this... This episode, episode number 47 on, on a natural disaster in an SEP's backyard, I think this one, this one can be over. Okay, you take care now. I guess that, that really is how I feel about all this. 
The world's got a lot of challenges coming our way, affecting human communities everywhere, and SE practitioners are starting to be everywhere. Because of that, we get to participate both in these challenges and in trying to help find some ease in them. That's a unique, unique opportunity. I'm excited about these natural disaster preparedness programs from SETI. Yay. Hey, some encouragement on me reproducing those stress less shorts for you guys. That would help. Visit the show notes. Episode 47. Liberation is possible. Backslash reflections. This is a stress less short with Twig, and I am going to call out all of the helping people in the Valley right now. Uh, Everybody who's got responsibility, you EMTs and nurses and care providers, you therapists and parents. Oh my goodness, the parents. And then all of you employers, teachers, folks with authority, you know, anybody who's got somebody else looking toward them for information and ideas and solace during all of this time, you know, I... I don't want to be embarrassed for telling you something that I know you already know. And yet I feel that I have to make sure that I remind you the way that many of you have reminded me that in case of emergency, the oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling and we are to put our own mask on first before helping others. I know you know that and I know that. And we might just need to remind ourselves At the same time as we're out here to help everybody, we also need to take care of ourselves. We can't be available all the time. We can't be helping all the time. We can't be inside the information of the crisis all the time. We also need some space, some air, some respite. We need to put our own feet in the river so that we can feel that, yes, everything is going to continue and be okay. So please... Take care of yourself. I'll do the same, and we'll continue to help as best we can. Okay, take good care of yourself. Somewhere today, find some space.